this for curious minds. And here is your host, Gary Cachulio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. Before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Justice Magic, monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, it's us and monthly co-host cap baldwin author of the forgiveness workshop and binaural production engineer damian keller if you are interested in becoming a contributor to this show go to my website everythingimaginable2020.com and you'll find everything you need there and now without further ado our guest today from the website portal to ascension it is Neil, and I'm not going to mispronounce your last name. I forgot how to say it. It's Gore. <laughs> Gore. <laughs> so it's like Al Gore. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's spelled differently. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so thanks for coming on, man. Um, yeah, I was Thank just you. going through your website. You know, it looks like you have added tons of new content since the last time I've talked to you. Yep. You are really moving forward with this project, big time. Yeah, man. Every year that goes by, we just get more ambitious with our creations, you know? Awesome. Um, mm-hmm. so, so with the portal to extension, I mean, I mean, what is the mission there? What is your mission statement? Like, like what is the yes. goal? There's, the mission statement is definitely multifaceted, but if it was going to come down to one thing, it would be the upliftment of humanity through awareness, right? That's the bottom line. But that's very g- general. So I like to split it into three different categories mm-hmm. that ultimately have hundreds, if not thousands, of categories underneath them. And for example, it would be extraterrestrial awareness and UFO disclosure. So when we talk about extraterrestrial awareness, we talk about the spirituality, interdimensional energy, galactic ancestry, possibility of being seeded from other planets, ancient alien information. Uh, when it's UFO disclosure, that's the mainstream narrative of what's going on right now with the disclosure. Um, government disclosure, all the stuff that we've been lied to about. Then true world history and ancient civilizations. So exploring ancient civilizations and then a true world history, which is like, what is the actual timeline of our history? Uh, and also within that, looking at the manipulations that have occurred because history has been written and rewritten by the victors so many times that we're so fragmented from the original truth. So we're trying to decipher what manipulations occurred and piece back together our ancient past. And it's not even really about coming up with an answer of what our ancient past is. It's more about the exploration of all this um, ancient text to see if we can understand who we really were. And that connects directly to our spirituality because if you look at the spiritual beliefs of these um, ancient civilizations, you immediately get connected to star beings, you get connected to vibration and frequency, and you get connected to a very ancient awareness of quantum world right which just blows the lid off everything we've been told in regards to us being the most advanced civilization that's ever been on the planet and then the final topic that even though i really don't like saying three topics but it makes it it simplifies it is the evolution of consciousness and within that there's ascension 
sound and vibration, um, who we are as um, um, who we are, why are we on this planet, our past lives, you know, so we do many events that kind of go through all these different avenues, but the ultimate goal is to empower the individual through this information to realize how amazing it is to be a human having an earthly experience and then possibly make some shifts so that we can live in harmony with the planet and ourselves. All things that I cover constantly on this podcast and things mm -hmm. that I completely, completely agree with you on. Um, you know, I am, I am obsessed with ancient civilizations, the connections to extraterrestrials, yeah. um, the loss of advanced technology that we probably once had, and the mythologies of the, in religions of these ancient cultures involving star people. Mm -hmm. um, and it is all written there. It is written in the text. It is in um, petroglyphs that are all over North and South America and all around the world, really. And, uh, yeah, it's been pretty much ignored by mainstream archaeology and the uh, universities, the educational system of the entire world. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of twofold, right? Like, so when it comes to the archaeology um, and all of this, there's been a lot of evidence that has come out that has blown the lid of the conventional timeline, whether it's Gobekli Tepe or it's um, the real dating of the Sphinx, you know, all this information has come out. And even though it's been happening for decades, I would say the last six to 10 years, we've had more awareness come out than ever especially because of the invent of li LIDAR technology, which is, you know, scanning basically large areas with the radar and being able to see what's underneath, you know, jungles and desert and all that. And so what's happened now is that for a while you were ridiculed and possibly lose your grant money and your, um, you know, and your, well, your grant money and your position, your career, if you were to go against the conventional timeline. So a lot of a little anomalies would pop up, but then mainstream archaeologists would sweep them under the rug because they didn't want to be ridiculed and they didn't want to lose their, their funding for what they're doing. So that was one thing that was kind of institutionalized. And then the other part of that is a de definite deliberate agenda for us not to realize how advanced we were in the past and that civilizations existed and what lessons we can get from them, right? So let's just talk about Atlantis, for example. Atlantis has been chopped up to myth but there's so much evidence out there that if you compiled it all together into a week-long summit, everybody on Earth would probably be convinced that this is a reality and it hadn't existed before, you know? So it's just like, what, what did they know? What information did they have? What technology did they use? What can we learn from the people that spoke about them? And all of that information really is a smoking gun that could shift not only the way we move forward on this planet, but also shift what we believe in regards to religion and organized religion, which also has a chokehold on, you know, on the citizens of this world. Atlantis is a really interesting topic because there is so much evidence to it. You know, everybody who hears the word Atlantis, they automatically think about Plato and the story yeah. that, that he had received and, and wrote. And, uh, but there's other evidence. There's other, other evidence in other mythologies. Like I believe the yes. Hopis have some, record of it um there's some south american records of it is it, mm -hmm. the mythology has been everywhere um you know the Basque it, people mm -hmm. as well 
And Atlantis wasn't just one city. I mean, Atlantis was the hub of an entire civilization that had other places where they were distributing goods and knowledge and, and spirituality to. And one of the things I think find interesting also about Atlantis is some of the physical evidence that I believe exists. Places like yeah. the Eye of Africa and uh -huh. even here in the United States, there's um, the uh, what is it? Poor Poverty. They're all very close representations of Atlantis, which tells me um, that there were either, either these places were created to help us remember or they were based built around uh, the civilizations that had that memory of that place. Yeah. And it seems that Atlantis could have been a worldwide civilization that spanned, you know, um, maybe there was a central hub, but the technology and the awareness spanned over multiple contents even. And they look like there was probably other civilizations and humans that lived on the planet that maybe lived a more primitive lifestyle. But even if you go off the, sh the coast of like the Caribbean where I'm at right now and other places in the world, you immediately get introduced to these megalithic structures underneath the water, right? Even in Japan. So we can find it. People can go and dive and say, see it, but no one has really ever given uh, an answer to what those actually are, what civilization it was from. And some of these things are just like have incredible um, engineering and architecture to them. You know, just like in Peru where um, the, the, like the stairs or the steps are like at perfect angles and you can't even put a hair blade in between them. You know, things that we can't even do today without having some really, um, really advanced technology. Interesting. So how far back do you think the human civilization timeline goes? And do you think that advanced civilizations existed alongside lesser advanced civilizations? Yeah, so at first, I, when I first got into this, I kind of thought that maybe no, like I was wondering how that would even happen. But now I'm coming to an understanding that I think that probably was the case. And for example, in um, Mesopotamia around 7000 BC, there's actually archaeological evidence of um, a more advanced civilization living on the higher ground of a mountain compared to the lower ground. And then the lower ground individuals had this masculine based society that was really became warlike, whereas the ones on the um, upper ground um, seemed to have this feminine energy about them that was about love, compassion, different ways in order to communicate and have political connections. I used to also think that an advancement of an ancient civilization meant technologically advanced, right? But what we don't realize is when we talk about the cycles of time, we're not talking about technology. We're talking about consciousness, okay? So you don't really, uh, and this is a recent shift for me because I'm like, where is the evidence of advanced computers in the past? And now when you look at the cycles of time and all these ancient cultures, the Greeks talk about the different ages, the Indian culture does, the Mayans do, and so many more, they never say anything about technology. It's always about the spiritual awareness. So the advancement really comes with that. And at certain levels of spiritual awareness, I mean, we have a human avatar body that's able to do many magical things, things that we think as mir miracles we're able to do at certain frequency ranges, at certain vibrations. So if they were at these frequencies, these octaves of existence, potentially they were able to do these things with their own consciousness, their own minds, or maybe tools that weren't needing all these wires and all these things that we're creating right now. Well, what we're doing is we're in this um, Kali Yuga age that we just shifted out of, which is pretty much at the bottom of this age where we've created all these external objects in order to do things that ultimately we're able to do within our own selves. For example, 
um, information and the internet. We have this external tool in order to get all the information we need. Well, at every single dimension that we tap into, we tap into the data set of that dimension. So as we shift in our dimension, as we shift our frequency and go to those realities, we'll be able to open up in our own consciousness all the information within there. So say that we go to the fifth dimension next, right? Mm -hmm. And then say the fifth dimension is more of a solar systematic frequency, whereas the third and fourth dimension is the Earth frequency. Then we're able to tap into the data of the solar system, our history, the beings that have been here, all the information of what created it, how the Earth was created, all of that stuff. Then if we go in the higher frequency than that, I feel like it becomes galactic. Then we're able to tap into our galactic ancestry and, and, and beyond that. So I think some of these civilizations were at the consciousness level where they didn't need external um, tools in order to maintain happiness and joy, inner peace and connection to the earth. Now, with that being said, I also think we've been into 26,000 year cycles many, many times. We're... Um, because the Earth's been reset so many times that even the latest 13,000-year cycle, we're barely uncovering the truth about Atlantis now, and many people still think it's a myth. Think about 26,000 years before that, 26,000 years before that, you know? The further we go back, if we're just uncovering that truth, chances are that there are other civilizations that have completely been wiped from history. We know that there's been huge cataclysms on the planet, the planet being scorched with fire, um, washed over, mm -hmm. many things have occurred. So there could have been other civilizations in the past that were not only higher consciousness, but also had technology that were higher as well, that we just can't find. And I do believe that maybe even Atlantis had some sort of space, you know, technology and was able to travel to different planets and different civilizations in the past had that as well. It wasn't just an ET thing. I think humans had reached that level as well. You know, that's one of those interesting theories that I, I hear is that some of the aliens that we encounter were actually humans that left the planet and evolved mm -hmm. in outer space. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely um, something that I hear as well, especially like um, people say that it's us from the future. Mm -hmm. Well, if you think about it interdimensionally, right, because it is interdimensional, extraterrestrial and interdimensional to me is one and the same. Because in if you're a third dimensional, fourth dimensional ET, and you're attempting to come down to Earth, you're going to need to utilize the bandwidth, the limitations that you have within that frequency to get here, which is you need to live within the Goldilocks zone, you need to have certain elements on your planet the right way, you need to travel and try to break the distance of um, light. And if you at any opportunity break um, the light barrier, you're now interdimensional because you're literally bending time. So it is no matter what an interdimensional thing. When you're in other dimensions, six, seven, eighth dimension or whatever, and you're coming to visit Earth, it's also an interdimensional thing as well. So I feel that um, when we look at our future, as we move forward in linear time, we move forward into dimensions. Fifth, sixth, we go, we shift our octave until we get to different dimensions. So technically, in these, in our future, we enter the dimensions that are currently coexisting with us that they are already in. So the illusion to us is we're moving into the future. So technically, in our linear world, they are from the future. Whereas mm -hmm. to them, they're not from the future. They're from now because all time currently exists in this moment. So when people say they're us from the future, it's a paradox because to them, they're not from the future. They just exist now and always. To us, it's like we need 
we need five more years until we get to this level. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, you know, you know, the other thing that 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 has come out, you know, at least in my lifetime, like when I was a kid, the fastest that you could go was the speed of light. Yeah. Um, but now we know that's not true because with uh, at the quantum level, when you split uh, an atom apart, that one half of the atom can communicate with the other half of the atom instantaneously. Yes, it doesn't. Look it, it goes faster than the speed of light. Mm-hmm. So that means the consciousness between these two objects moves faster than the physical or or the wavelengths of light. So yeah. consciousness moves faster. Yeah. So so technically, you know, by using our consciousness, we we should be able to move to any particular time or any place in space instantaneously. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the ultimate goal, right? So what we've done is. By splitting the atom and realizing that there's a subatomic world, we realize a few things. First, we realize that we're all vibratory frequency, that everything vibrates, even though you see it as solid. And then non-locality, which is what you said, not only the atom, but the information from an atom right here where I am in Mexico to where you are over there, we can actually harness the same data without the, without the need for distance. All information in all the universe is available all the time. That's non-locality from quantum physics. And what that means is we're basically a computer program, a holographic organic conscious computer program, if you will, where all the information is available ultimately all the time. And that is the ultimate level we can get to. So as we play in this game, in this illusion, we're traveling the speed of distance and all these things. But as our awareness opens up, as our consciousness expands, Ultimately, we can probably get to a point where our space travel could be literally dematerializing and rematerializing in another area. That is what we've kind of uncovered with this. So there's two things here. There's consciousness level and technology. Our technology has gone way faster than our consciousness. So we are now able to perceive and see things that we're literally at the beginning phases of being able to match the consciousness up. Right, because look at the world, wars, power, elite, greed, all this stuff. So, but we're in the beginning phases of something that might take hundred years, thousands of years. Ultimately, if you look at the scale of um, technological growth and how it's like literally an exponential curve, if our consciousness expands at that level as well, we'll catch up um, very soon. But it might even happen sooner because of this UFO disclosure phenomena in which we're seeing craft that are doing exactly what we're theorizing and able to do on a small level in the lab. That was what was said about um, the whole disclosure that's come out through the government recently, where they said all these craft are doing things that were, are impossible. That's why they, they're not from Earth. They're doing things impossible. Well, then two years later, they changed the narrative. They said, well, actually, these craft are doing something that we know is possible because we're able to do it in a lab on a very small level. And we know in theory these things are possible, but we're actually seeing full-on technology doing these things that we probably wouldn't be able to do for another thousand years. If that technology gets unleashed, if we have open contact with ETs, if these are reverse engineering technologies being used by the government anyway and is going to be released to society, that could kickstart our technological improvement and take us a thousand years in the future in a very short period of time. The government... I. You know, I, I believe that, uh, you know, the disclosure is really an interesting thing because I believe that there's 
probably two branches in all these world governments. There's the, the, you know, I, I mean, forget about electric elected officials and, mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. Uh, the real government are these people that are there for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Their entire lives they're spending in military and secret parts yeah. of the government. And they get to pick their successors. They're not elected officials. Yeah. And there seems to be two camps in that area. There's the ones that want to give the technology and the knowledge to all the people so we can expand consciously. And then there's another one that wants to hoard it for themselves to keep control and try to probably gain further control, not just on Earth, but probably other planets and other dimensions as well. Yeah. Um, at least that seems to be the reality to me. What do you think? Yeah, it's very it's very compartmentalized. If you look at like just look at the U.S. for example, um, different different agencies don't even really communicate with each other. And then if you look at some of the secret space program info, then and believe in any of that, then U.S. Navy and the Air Force both have separate secret space programs, and they're doing things independently of each other. And it's very little communication. But in regards to what you said about these individuals in power are actually there for a long time. That's true that a lot of times the Pentagon and military officials have much more power, if not all the time, than even presidents. And this goes back to, I forget which president it was, said it's an announcement that they had asked about some sort of information to the Pentagon and they weren't even had um, clearance for this information. And also this reminds me of what Bill Gates had once said when they asked him if you could, if would you ever run for president? And he goes, no, I can have much more power not being in president just for four years, right? <laughs> so, so, like, he gave away a lot just by saying that. And that's why a lot of these Congress members have more power as well because there's no term limit, mm-hmm. you know? There's no term limit there. So a lot of times the, the president is just something that we basically um, are shown to be the person of power and given the illusion of that when there is definitely some sort of shadow government below that and we're just talking about the people that we can prove the military the pentagon the officials but then there may even be something beyond that that's Uh more of a global kind of cabal that's going on and for example having different countries that we fight against i feel that there's enough evidence to suggest that on a deeper level that these countries have agreed to come up with each other being the boogeyman in order to keep their people in check and in fear and they're just utilizing each other just to really like it's almost like a complete act in order for us to feel that we need these authority figures to um, govern us and to give up our powers so that they can protect us when a lot of this fear is completely contrived just to keep us in check. Yeah, because they don't want us to realize. One of the big threats is if, if every human being realizes their true potential, their potential of consciousness, our ability to access knowledge, Mm-hmm. Um, our interdimensionality that we're not just existing on one one dimension but all dimensions at the same time yeah. then the need for rulership diminishes exactly. if not is extinguished completely yeah dude that's such a great point and that takes me to the council of nicaea and constantine and what happened there so if you look at the original text of christianity gnosticism and um, the, bio, the books that were taken out, the Book of Love, the Book of Reincarnation that showed you your multidimensional selves and how you incarnate multiple times, all taken out in 325 AD by Constantine and the Council of Nicaea. Christianity, you know, from like the beginning, was 
talking about how beautiful you are, how the kingdom of heaven is, is within you, all this information, but really tapped into understanding that you have multiple lives and your soul is infinite. When Constantine came about, he went ahead and called in the Council of Nicaea, all the people that were the, the biggest in the um, in the Christendom at that time, and then crafted what we currently know as the Bible. That was the beginning phases of crafting that. There were hundreds of Gospels. There were even the Gospels. Most of the Gospels said Jesus never even died. Mm-hmm. So there is even a, um, evidence to suggest that that story was created by Constantine when they were crafting this in order to figure out how they can use this text that showed you your multidimensionality, showed you how everything is about love, how everything is about infinite soul, and then make it that they can control that religion and basically took out a lot of truths from it, made it in their own image, which is also why Constantine never even converted to Christianity until he was about to die because he wasn't really a firm believer in these information anyway. He just wanted to maintain control of it. So that... We are in the new modern Roman Empire. The Roman Empire never stopped. They, the Roman Empire b- basically adopted Christianity, and the Vatican Church is still the Roman Empire. And then that continued into the Christian world and basically spread around the planet, and we're still going through the same motions of that. So the whole—and it, it probably goes—it goes back definitely earlier than that as well, but these definitely—you uh, can see— a milestone in human evolution at that point when they started creating society as we know it, right? And basically started imposing different rules and regulations to make sure that you don't realize how advanced you are, how incredible you are as a human being, and reclaim your own sovereignty. Well, that's all starting to crack now. It, seems it is. Like. Now, you know, like, and it's cracking in those three areas that you mentioned, the UFO disclosure, you know, mm-hmm. consciousness and more knowledge about our ancient past. Yeah. Yep. If you look at, um, so the, let's look at, I'm going to talk about Pythagoras for a minute. Like if you look at Pythagoras and all the information he came up, he came up with, well, he didn't come up with it. He got it from Babylon, Egypt, India, a lot of places. And there's evidences out there that he did. So a lot of his followers, just like Jesus started giving him credit for it, even though Jesus and Pythagoras both mentioned a lot of places that they got it from he was very spiritual and into consciousness he believed that music and mathematics uh, were the numbers to god and that he wanted to find out the frequencies and the vibrations of god and how to cure the passions of the psyche anger greed hatred he was anti-elitism he wanted to bring um, peace in the world and not kill and he was vegetarian he didn't want to kill animals and then that information was hijacked by the masonic order the knights templar Roman Empire, because he lived in Italy, so a lot of his information was already in Italy. Then we move forward into the church and the Christian church kind of banning a lot of that intellect because they hijacked it for themselves. But that kept going on until Kepler, Galileo, and I forget the last guy that started going against the church and had this atheistic look on science and mathematics. So Pythagoras' information was resurrected how to build society, right? And now was available for the masses, but it was anti-religion because of what Christianity had done to the world. Fast forward to 1900, now we have quantum physics all of a sudden. We were into Newtonian physics that created electricity, everything bigger than an atom, nothing smaller than an atom. Now in 1900, all of a sudden we realized, whoa, we can see beyond the atom, we have quantum physics. Who do we have when quantum physics is being created. We have Albert Einstein, Max Planck, and Nikola Tesla. 
all individuals that were looking at what we had been doing for the last thousand plus years, but now through the eyes of consciousness, all spiritual individuals. So if you look at the trajectory of human history, mathematics and how it connects to music and how that connects to consciousness, you can see that we completely disconnected the spiritual element for a thousand plus years. Now, because we've understood that everything is vibration and frequency, we're drawing parallels to really ancient texts that also say the same thing. So I'm really hopeful that we're at the beginning phases of all of this. When you start really looking at what makes up society and the nature of reality, it's really difficult to suggest that we aren't spiritual in nature because in essence, vibration and frequency is the foundation of what we all are. And that connects to all the tools that the ancient civilizations talked about. Yoga, meditation, eating well, good thoughts, all of these are vibrations. And if we cultivate them more in our life, we're able to live a more empowered life and have more of a connection to ourselves, right? And the planet. Yeah. The vibration thing has been around. I mean, uh, I mean, even like in, in the Hinduism, it was with Om, you know? I mean, yeah. And know, in Christianity, in the beginning was the word. Yeah. Then he changed it, you know, the light. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> which made it limited but but if, if you if you go with frequency then we're looking at limitlessness exactly and then every experience is a frequency range of experience so we understand that we exist within this dimension third fourth dimension that's a frequency range mm -hmm. dimensions are just different octaves different frequencies right whether they're higher or not I'm not going to speculate on a hierarchy, but it's a different octave of existence. So we know now that we exist within these frequency ranges. Like we, it's accepted that we can only smell up to 10,000 cents. It's accepted that we can only hear a certain frequency range because dogs can hear whistles that we can't hear. It's accepted that we only see things within the light spectrum, mm -hmm. but it's also accepted that frequencies below and above those exist. So that there lies my, my curiosity. If it's different, if you were like, oh, this is all we see and this is all that exists, but it's a whole different ballgame when you're like, this is what we see and exist, but we know there's frequencies above those that exist, frequencies below those that exist. So what does that entail? What are within those frequencies? Extraterrestrials, a different form of living on the planet, um, different kind of emotional states, right? These are the things that we explore at Portal to Ascension. And I think more and more people in the world are going to be getting into now as we uncover the fabric of reality is it to me it's like we um it's like something or somebody installed a filter in us to limit us to this certain range of frequencies mm -hmm. and um and i know for most people and for myself like when i'm able to step outside the physical restraints then you can experience some of those other frequencies and some of those other dimensions you know, like like for me, I had an out of body experience or an epileptic seizure, which mm. threw me into some really cool place. You know, and mm -hmm. you know, other people out there use things like astral projection. Um, some people are experimenting with drugs, meditation. Yeah. All these different things help us to access these other realms of consciousness. And I always try to encourage people to experiment with different methods to try to experience it because. Trying exactly. to explain it to somebody is really difficult. Um, but if they experiment themselves and have those experiences, then they can, you know, know for themselves rather than being told mm -hmm. by someone else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
just by the fact that we realize we're all vibrational frequency, we also have to realize that the world as we see it is not as we as it really is. So there is some sort of filter going on that we're able to see this, just like a one and a zero in a computer program that's able to perceive itself as a person interacting with another person, right? Where we can now we know we're not seeing reality as it truly is. So when we do these other things, meditate, astral travel, and um, maybe do some plant medicine, what is a, what is stopping us from believing that maybe we're piercing through the veil and starting to uncover more of what reality truly is? And I feel that's exactly what's happening is as you get to these meditative states, when you astral travel, you're transcending the limitations of this dimension and you're able to perceive reality in a more broad scale. And ultimately, as we move forward in, in our linear time, hopefully we can get to a level where we can all perceive reality at more of that level. And by doing so, start embodying some traits that can really assist all of us in having a more harmonious experience on Earth, rather than the destructive way that we are now, not only to the planet, right, but to each other, right? And then also just like the society and the system that is feeding the powerful and the elite and the greedy because we have a limited, they have a limited perspective and they're imposing that limited perspective on us, reinforcing it, that is not allowing us for to really tap into our full potential as humans. What do you think would happen if we do, we are able to tap into our full potential as humans? What, like, yeah. like where would the next level of human consciousness be, you think? So if we were to tap into our full potential as humans, first of all, let's talk about the two aspects that could contribute to that. Right? We say we have DNA that is dormant. And even though in the last few years, it's been shown that a lot of that dormant DNA actually is working to synthesize certain proteins, but there's also dormant DNA that we don't really know what it's doing. It's actually working and maybe not at the full potential. And it's been said now by conventional and non-conventional scientists and researchers that our DNA is like a harmonic, um, is like a, a, basically like a piano waiting to be plucked, not be, waiting to be played, you know, that it responds to vibration and it activates through different frequencies. This is conventionally accepted. And then our brains, they say we use 10%, it's actually more like 12 to 20%, but we don't use just one part of our brain. We use all of our brain all the time because different areas are being utilized, but the, it isn't being utilized to its full potential. When people are in meditative states, when people do plant medicine and they hook people up to EEG machines, all of a sudden parts of the brain that are completely dormant or very um, low, um, um, very limited amount of utilization start lighting up of the grid that they're being awakened and utilized. And then individuals start getting information at those points, downloads at that point, self-realization, reflection, intuition increases. Um, connection to extraterrestrial beings and communication happens, right? So these are the things that we've seen through aspects that have helped people unlock DNA and also activate more and more parts of their consciousness that's processed through our brain. So if that's what they're getting from that, that could just be the beginning phases. Interaction and communication with other beings through our consciousness. Telepathy, right? Which I've heard stories of telepathy that has occurred from heightened levels of consciousness. And then also if we get into more of what we can do physically chances are if everything is this matrix that is this frequency and we're able to transcend that and navigate through it certain things like the movie matrix we might even be able to do 
bending space and time with our own consciousness, um, you know, um, perceiving time in a different way. Because as we move higher in dimensions, right, fifth, sixth, seventh, we start getting an extra point of time. Right now, we exist within two dimensions of time, beginning and an end. Mm-hmm. When you get another point, you have an integration point, and then you get secular time, and then you get n- no time, and you start living simultaneously. So what happens when our perception of time shifts as well? The aging process can shift, what we believe in aging, the way we the way we grieve death, since we remember and we're connected to it all the time, connected to life and existence all the time. Our mourning process will probably end. Organized religion will shift when a more universal awareness comes that we remember who we all are and we're tapped into this consciousness collectively. We don't all need to follow different ways because we realize that spirituality is definitely an individual thing, but we also realize the grand scheme of how we got here, who we are, because we live in this planet of amnesia. It's pretty much proven to me now that past lives are real. Just take a look at some mainstream documentaries on Netflix and Amazon Prime. Mainstream documentaries has a lot of fundamental religious people in there that were like, I couldn't deny it. My son was just screaming at age three about a plane that he was in and kept shouting out her name. And then we started doing research and, you know, just like hardcore stuff. So we know that past lives exist. Plus, like people being reborn with the same earring marks of like the person that just died like a few days before and then have those memories, you know, some crazy things are happening out there. So since that's the case, what we can realize now also is that we don't remember our lives, our past lives, but we know they happen. So as we shift our consciousness and we tap into this realm of who we truly are, chances are we can remember all our incarnations. But our incarnations don't just stop at Earth. They're extraterrestrial incarnations too. So maybe in the next dimension, we remember our earthly experiences because the soul is systematic. And then in the next one after that, we start remembering our intergalactic or our galactic connections and what we've been in different planets. So these are certain things. To be more concise, we can remember our past life. We can remember our ET lives. We could have telepathy. We could um, um, utilize our consciousness to tap into data sets of information about how things are created, technology that we can create. And then our bodies could possibly do things like levitate, slow um, space time down, manifest things out of um, out of thin air, literally, because right now we exist in a dimension where thought equals action, action equals manifestation. As we shift into dimensions, we take out the action part and it becomes thought equals manifestation. And that's been happening more and more lately over the last hundred years. As we get closer to that, it's almost like you instantly manifest what you're thinking with less action now like you think of someone they call you you know Mm -hmm. these things are happening so i feel in our future as we progress we can get to a state of instant manifestation of many things even materializing things literally out of thin air that's interesting one of the terms that, that you mentioned earlier during another question was you know i i talk about this topic a lot the holographic universe but you put a word in front of it that I think is really important, which is organic holographic universe. Yeah. Because I, too, believe that there is something organic behind it. I don't believe that we are part of a created device. We are part of something that is alive. Mm-hmm. What that is, I'm not sure. Yeah. You know? Um. What do you think it is? So, 
So I, I love that you picked on the, up on that because I say organic because a lot of people, when you say computer program, when you say hologram, they automatically think that you're saying they're as like robotic as a robot, as a computer. No, no, we're not like robots. We're not like computers, you know? So when you say organic, it makes you realize that there's something sentient behind this and vibration and frequency is really a part of it all. Now, in regards to who created it, what created it, there's many different theories, right? Like there's the theory of the Elohim, which are the beings that go from solar system to solar system and seed different planets. There's the there's the information about the Lyrans that was supposedly the first humanoid species that incarnated in the constellation of Lyra that were feline faces but human bodies that eventually fractalized and fragmented over the entire galaxy, eventually coming to Earth. But by the time they came to Earth, there were other civilizations that they had fractalized from the original Lyrans as well, including people from the Sirius constellation and Pleiades that then seeded Earth and they seeded Earth in this dimension that they weren't in, in order to create an embodiment of a being that they could incarnate into and have a 3D, 4D experience because they wanted to do one thing, experience. So that's another one. But then some people say the Elohim and the Lyran are the same. And then we have the, the Anunnaki theory, which is the beings from Nibiru coming down and creating this construct, this matrix. So those are a few different theories, but let's go beyond that. If these beings are just within a dimension above us, they could just be another fractalization of source. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the original, the original question, the original theory, what the original want was source to experience itself infinitely. And as source wanted to experience itself infinitely, right? All these different stuff, things started happening. The Lyrans came in, they did things, fractalization, blah, blah, blah. And then ultimately it got to a point of what is the best way to experience myself infinitely? Well, the illusion of free will, of course. Let's forget all of what we are. Don't remember any of our past lives, our ET lives. Let's give them free will and have them just figure it out. So if on the grand scheme of it all, we are just another experience of source in a way that's been set up through this matrix to give us this huge range of experience and a huge range of frequencies and emotions. Within that, we have all these conflicting agendas that are occurring too that really fit in with the overall awareness which is experience now whether it's a nefarious agenda that was imposed on us later and that maybe this construct existed and then all of a sudden some arconic influence or reptilian influence imposed themselves on our reality or not that's open to speculation but even if that did happen i feel everything that occurs it's all part is of, a part the of the original source yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so that's what it that's what it comes down to to me yeah me too i i, <laughs> I agree even if there is an adversary, the adversary is there just to be experienced, which almost yeah. almost makes it a non-adversary. It's just um, <laughs> a duality. It's all it is. Yeah, and that's so true because um, so I used to be a hardcore conspiracy theorist until 2008. I was like, they're after us, they're out to get us, they're screwing us over, it's negative ET agenda. And then I shifted my perspective to realizing that the darkness is working for the light. That the best way in a world of duality the best way to know one duality is to experience the other one so the best way to know how to be light is to experience the darkness mm -hmm. if we remembered all our lives if we if we didn't have free will we wouldn't need that so the darkness is here to give us the contrast we need to experience what we really want some people 
feel the darkness and then they go down it and then maybe it'll take them hundreds of thousands of lives before they realize what they really want some people might be in one life and they experience the darkness and they choose choose something that really is empowering for them so it's like yeah the darkness is working for the light and a, a little quote that i made up is that the most unconditional thing so everything is light we're one speck of light experiencing itself infinitely we're one frequency experiencing itself in multiple forms we're singularity experiencing ourselves through duality which is a paradox in itself so i say like the the most unconditional thing the light ever did was allow the darkness to live within it because the darkness and the light aren't two separate things they're all a part of the singularity because ultimately all that exists is a singularity everything else the two be the two coming from the one is just part of the roles that we chose to play within that singularity to get the experiences that we needed yeah it is is all part of the choice so we can have that experience otherwise you know i mean i mean it's, it's really really simple almost like um when we look at it in a human perspective you know in our th four three-dimensional viewpoint it would be like you know um you know ha like pleasure like like the like the, the, the like we enjoy the more pain that we experience i think at least for me the more of pain in the ass that life is the easier it is for me to enjoy some of the more simple things Mm. You know, that I didn't realize prior to having all those painful events. Yeah. You know, a good example is the people that are kind of gifted um, a world where they don't have as many stripes of struggles as they're being raised or are grown up in elite elitism um, kind of see the world for a completely different aspect than those that have had these pains and these struggles and have mastered them. We're given the opportunity I feel like every struggle that we have, every strife that we're given, we're given the opportunity to be the masters of it and the teachers of those experiences. So you can go down two ways though. You can become a victim to your struggles or you can become, you can heal yourself from them, whether it's childhood traumas and things like that, and then be the teachers of it. And this reminds me of something that, you know, Bashar channeled by Daryl Anka said. First he said the, we're the masters of limitation, right? Basically we mastered how to be limited. But also that as we um, ascend and we start interacting with extraterrestrial races, that we're going to go out the, there and teach them how we basically um, transcended and found the light in a world where everything was stacked up against us. The lessons that we got from not remembering, you know, and how we remembered in a world where everything was stacked up for us not to remember, you know, which is pretty much the lesson that we're going through is how, remembering who we truly are whether it's our ancient history and what we've done in our past, or just remembering the fact that we're all spiritual beings on this earth. Right. Vibratory beings. Right. And I think it's really cool. I mean, this is a kind of a cool time to exist and to have the experience mm -hmm. that we're having. Um, I mean, I I'm pretty old. So I'm mean, not pretty old, but I'm 54. And when I was younger, there wasn't all this access to this information. I mean, there yeah. was, there was, I mean, the closest things that, that existed to this kind of stuff was like maybe theosophy. Mm -hmm. And and that was pretty much it. Um, you know, and just over the last 40, 50, over the last 40 years, a whole lot has come out. It's come out through yeah. science. It's come out through um, archaeology. You know, you know, people looking at these anomalous archaeological discoveries and saying, you know what, maybe these aren't anomalous. Um, yeah, 
and just all different sources of information is coming out. Um, it, it's just a, it's, it's a really cool thing to see. It is. Yeah, and I mean, I was, I'm about to turn 40, so I've pretty much been here for the whole time. It's <laughs> been happening, you know? And it's just, but I'm really into history, and I see, like, how it's just increasing exponentially and coming out. So I'm very, very hopeful. You know, I, I don't have any doubt in my mind that we're going to continue moving forward and things are going to be disclosed in our future that are going to completely shift the way we live on this planet. Um, I'm like, by default, I'm hopeful. Even when I see chaos and craziness, mm -hmm. I think that is a part of the um, what we need to go through, man. A lot of us have certain traumas, whether it's this life or other lives, but a lot from this life for sure that we haven't transcended yet. Part of that is going to might not be very pretty as it's coming out. And that's what's happening on the planet right now is we're going through a collective trauma release. And as we're doing that, a lot of different people are going to be reflecting on who they are, what they are. Who are we if we're not our jobs? You know, we've given um, so much credit to what we do in life to give us the sense of accomplishment. How can we get to a point where we love ourselves for simply the fact that we're humans on this planet? Right. Rather than basing our reality on what we do. And that's what's happened over the last couple of years through the current world situation is many people were dropped down to the same level. You know, we're all just humans on this earth. And, and, and many people, some didn't. Some became even more frustrated and angry. But I think a lot of people reflected on what really is important in life. And that's what we need to do. And what's important in life is taking care of ourselves, our own health, and also relationships and connections with others, some things that fuel our souls. We've got into this really like um, overly stimulate, stimulated reality where we're losing that connection with each other. And that's what I want to do more now, actually, on Portal to Ascension, is start creating more events that are connection-oriented. And I'll just add this to this. I've been doing, in the last few events I've done, I've been doing a little kind of workshops with people where I've been asking people to share what they want to cultivate and experience in their life. And many of these people are conscious creators, like people doing this work full-time. And even the people that are doing this work full-time are saying, one of the number one things they're saying is connection, that they want more connection. Right. So the people that are literally living a life of connection are still saying that they want connection. Imagine what the world that doesn't even realize that's what they're missing is doing. But it's not just connection to others. We're disconnected from ourselves, you know, and we're definitely disconnected from the planet. And the more we connect with ourselves, the more we'll connect with other people. And then the exactly. more we'll connect with the planet. And then the more we'll connect with everything else, the cosmos in general. Yeah exactly how i feel man like that's why it all starts with inner work like i did an article a few years ago called what does ufos have to do with meditation and it was all about like well we're not going to see ufos we're not going to interact with ets we're not going to connect to our galactic family unless we do the inner work and the inner work is how do we connect to ourselves love ourselves um and be the best versions of who we can be and how do we be authentic versions of ourselves when we do all those things and how implement that in our life then the external reality is going to reflect what we're actually cultivating within. And if most of us can do this on the planet, we can shift into a whole different reality, like in a very, very short period of time. Yeah, I did that. The, I mean, I've, I've been meditating now for about 15, 20 years, but mm -hmm. um, I never connected it with UFOs until I did. You know, I was talking to Preston Dennett, and he's written a ton of books on UFOs and, you know, 
and, and he's practiced, you know, that meditation technique in order to make conscious contact, I mean, contact mm-hmm. with him. So one day I tried it and I was sitting in my backyard. I meditated. I called out to the universe that I wanted to see something. And damn if I didn't see a freaking UFO that night. <laughs> so okay, you saw one. Yeah, it was absolutely yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. You know, that's at amazing. First, at first, I thought it was a satellite, but then all of a sudden, it just like went in a completely different direction and disappeared. I'm like, man, that was not wow. a satellite. It was not a plane. Yeah, it was man. an unidentified flying object. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're shifting your frequency, and the reason why we don't see the fact that there's UFOs everywhere is because they're just at a different frequency range as us. Do you think that the extraterrestrials have something to do with our shift in consciousness? Do you think that they're purposely contacting humans and trying to um, make us more spiritually awake? I think there's many agendas, and I think that's one of them. There are definitely beings, a lot of them, maybe even most of them, that are in, invested in our awakening process. And there's, this could be like a whole podcast on its own to break down every aspect of it, but I'll just throw out a couple Let's talk about Dolores Cannon and her research of um, life between lives oh, and what the stuff. ETs, were, yeah, what the ETs were saying. As soon as we split the atom, they were saying that we were actually infect, uh, we were actually about to destroy other realities. That by splitting the atom to nuclear warfare, <clears throat> we can actually affect other realities. So there was a call out to the universe saying, "Hey, there's a law of non non intervention um, on Earth." but we need beings to come to earth in order to help them not destroy themselves. So all these beings started incarnating on earth in order to have an effect on us. And then other galactic beings are around us, supporting us in different ways, scrambling nuclear codes, type in UFOs and nuclear bases. Oh, yeah. You're going to find multiple yeah. websites yeah. on the internet. Why, why do you think the military and the Pentagon and are the ones behind the UFO disclosure information? Well, because they're seeing all these UFOs at military bases and nuclear sites. So they think it's a threat, right? Plus other agendas, but that's part of it. So um, so they definitely have an invested interest in us not destroying ourselves, one. Now, we go through cycles of time. We ascend and descend no matter what. It's a part of it. So they're here to support us in that ascension. It's inevitable that we're going to go into this higher age. How we get there and how many people go with us, that's the free will aspect of it all. So... They um, so I think they're supporting us. And then if you look at some other information from people that research, some of these planets are directly connected to us through ancestry, that their ascension process is directly connected to our ascension process, mm-hmm. like the Asasani and a Siri and a planet in Sirius as well. That, that basically when we go to our higher octave of existence, they shift as well. So they have more of an interest in that for us. And then we also have agendas of hybridization programs in which beings are basically experimenting with our DNA and mixing it with their own DNA to try to figure out how to create an ascended reality for themselves on their own planet. And that's the story of the gray aliens. Hmm. Yeah. So many agendas, but definitely a lot involved in our ascension. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. and you mentioned something and I can also agree with it. it was like when we started splitting atoms and creating nuclear bombs, we were no longer just a threat to ourselves, but but that's going to ripple effect through other dimensions. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, because just if you think of it, like if we're like a holographic projection of consciousness, and we're creating these explosions that are splitting the computer program apart, <laughs> right? Imagine that leaking out into the bigger matrix of what we're within. Right. It, it, it's like you know. 
almost like how solar flares can af- affect us. You know, like when we set off a bomb, yeah. so and go out there and and mess up um, the lives of people of the beings or consciousness in these other dimensions. Yeah, and so so their I mean their motive is not just altruistic; it's also um, for their own well being as well. Yes, and that makes a lot exactly. of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the reason why I, I really like that story <clears throat> from Dolores Cannon is because she wasn't spiritual, she wasn't New Age, she wasn't a UFO head, she was none of that. She was a regular hypnotherapist that came up with her own technique, and then all of a sudden, the same voice was coming out of all these people that were was a voice that was beyond the subconscious, that was this universal conscious mind giving her all this information. So it wasn't like she was looking for this. Just like Barbara Lamb, who's another person I work with a lot, um, they were not looking for this stuff. They just started hypnotizing people, that and this information came out to them. So it was more of an objective approach to it rather than like someone that's trying to fit it within their own belief system. Yeah, you know. Yep, I, I know. I, I've read Convoluted Universe, and yeah, the information in there is so detailed. Mm-hmm. You know, I it, it can't I can't disregard it because it's you know it, far far as that type of work goes, that's that's one of the best pieces of work that I have read. It is, yeah, it's just so amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so with your website and the new content that you are putting out, like like where do you plan on going? Like, like you have a lot of workshops, you have classes. Um, and and just information in general. Um, yeah. What, what do you plan on actually? It's almost like you're. I, I look at your website and it's like you're almost creating your own. Um, I don't know media network. Yeah. Basically, I mean, I've done. Uh, right now, I have around ten thousand hours of presentations I've created all together, right? And that's not including podcasts, YouTube shows, all that stuff, but just like curated content. We do a lot of workshops, classes, yes, but also a lot of conferences, all-day conferences. We just did a conference last weekend on ancient Sumerian Mesopotamia, ten hours of Sumerian text and information, which was pretty epic. And um, so, definitely being a resource and what I like to call a one-stop shop for consciousness as people wake up to this information, not only can you come to our website to become the teachers of certain topics and get really in-depth information about it, but you also can come as a person that's newly awoken and find everything you need formatted in a really nice and efficient way so that you can get the awareness you want to um, to support you in your awakening. Now, what I'm doing right now is I'm also creating a plant medicine university. I'm creating a separate website on True World History University that is just as, uh, a whole website dedicated to the real timeline of history and all the 3,000 hours of history presentations we have available for free on there, but made in a really epic way. Um, so I'm doing these little things to really focus on elements that are going to be huge or are huge right now, especially with plant medicine becoming decriminalized around the world. So reducing the taboo around it so people can start really acting and actually researching and finding out what these things mean, what's the ancient history about it, and even recommendations on places to go and have these experiences to work out whatever they need to work out, right? Mm-hmm. So um, continuing the awareness, definitely increasing the content, working and doing collaborations with people. But the ultimate goal is to build um, a, a little village somewhere and to get land. And right now I'm traveling the world full time. I'm looking for land. 
and I'm going to start building homes and houses there. And it's going to be like an Ascension village. And we're even going to have like workshops, classes there, um, meditations to connect with extraterrestrials, uh, different types of things. So these are all in the works right now. But when I had my first download in 2008 of Portal to Ascension, it was a 20-year plan downloaded in one moment. And I was told from the beginning that I would be building communities, you know. So that's where it's going to go. But the content will continue and the collaborations will continue. And hopefully, like, pretty soon, I'll have an app out, too, for the Android. I'll have an iPhone app. I'll have a, a you know, a, a smartphone app so that you can just connect to our content online. So it's getting our content to more and more people and making it more accessible. Are you going to do apps for, like, Roku and... Yeah, all of it. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That's going to happen by the end of this year. We'll have probably that done. Hmm. Hmm. How do you do your video hosting? Through Zoom. Uh, I mean, where do you put the video? Like, where do you start up on your own? Oh, yeah, yeah. I put it on Vimeo. Vimeo. Vimeo? So I host it on Vimeo, and then I embed it on my website. And Vimeo doesn't censor. So I haven't really had an issue with it, but I have a backup of all my content too. Uh So if anything ever happens, I can put it somewhere else. And then I use YouTube for some things that I like clip up and put on there and my live shows. And then I also have rumble where I put a lot of stuff as well. I put all my YouTube stuff on rumble as well, just in case, because I just got banned from YouTube for a week for a video on Ascension that had nothing bad in it, but they said it was cyberbullying. Yeah, so that's why I don't use YouTube. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. Um, with the plant medicine, plant medicine question. Yeah, do you think that the the use of certain plants like cannabis and mushrooms and psilocybin and you know DMT, um, do you think they were made illegal or you know or kept out of the use of for general public to prevent us from expanding our consciousness? Yes, a hundred percent feel that maybe not so much with cannabis because cannabis was almost like a race. It was like more racism than it was that it was because it was used by Mexicans. Like if you look at the history of it, it was really about making the Mexican people look bad. And um, then maybe also some people realize that people are awakening from it. But when it comes to mushrooms, the DMT and other plants, yes. The reason why it's becoming decriminalized is because of the military vets. The military vets are the ones that are behind the decriminalization, the mostly behind the decriminalization of plant medicines, which is why Santa Cruz, Oakland, Chicago have decriminalized all psychedelic plants, naturally occurring um, mushrooms and plants. And it's because they were having results from curing their PTSD from one mushroom experience. Right? right so they helped start it and now we're going to get a lot more coming out with it and another example of why i believe that the psychedelics were maybe stopped because of how it awakens your consciousness is if you look at the criminal um the criminal um, sentencing for cocaine and meth it's way less than any psychedelic for some psychedelics you can go to jail for like five to ten years and on the first time, not even selling it, you know, for um, Coke and meth, you could get away on the first time. You can go to jail for maybe one year the next time. So, and these ones, there's no evidence about how it kills, how these psychedelics 
contribute towards your death, they right? Don't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For the other ones, there is, and they get less sentencing. It, it mushrooms used to be attempted manslaughter in the U.S. Because <laughs> why? It's a poison. You're poisoning yourself. Attempted manslaughter. That's insane. <laughs> I mean, whoever thought of that, you know, I I don't know if they're just evil or if they're actually a genius. Right. One, you know? A bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's kind of interesting that like, I didn't know that that whole movement was created by vets to get over, you know, to help yeah. them with the PTSD. Because it's almost like it's almost like having it's almost like the government having something backfire on them, you know. Yeah, it's exactly what happened. You know, because so I know some vets that basically the veter the vets like their their hospitals and their research institutes are really about only using what works. For some reason, they go against the conventional grain of the medical industry in the U.S. They don't want to waste money on what doesn't work. And, um, so like, I know my friend who's a vet that has access to the most amazing healthcare. And so, you know, some people don't get it. Of course, and we have all this, um, backlash about people who don't get the things that they need, but it has this access to some amazing information and, um, and, um, holistic care that she wanted. Mm-hmm. Now she was saying that when it comes to, um, helping with PTSD, they do a lot of research on many different things and whichever ones work the best they go with and that's why it was happening with plant medicine is many of these vets were actually going independently away from the vet and doing these plant medicines going to Peru things like that having these experiences and some of them are very high level um, in the military so they would come back and give their stories about it all and a lot of the people like their own people that uh, went to war either had PTSD or knew someone that had it even the people that were in charge of these institutions right so that just kept spiraling a bit and then snowballed to the effect of them actually going to city halls and i watched the oakland city hall meeting in which it was like four hour long live stream of just individual after individual going up and giving the testimonial of what happened to them and most of them were military vets and they were talking about their ptsd and the number one story that was coming was ptsd cured from one mushrooms experience that was something that was spoken about quite often and then ayahuasca as well was a great help for a lot of them Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that puts a damper on sales of like uh, from Zoloft and Wellbutrin yeah. and <laughs> yeah. So and then Xanax. we have the pharmaceutical industry trying to synthesize psychedelics so that they don't have to utilize the actual psychedelics. You know, like right. there's the fake there's a fake cannabis out there that actually uh, one of my friends almost had a heart attack from. Well, my friend's daughter was smoking it, almost had a heart attack from. Hmm. So you don't want people walking out into the field and picking a mushroom. <laughs> yeah. The earth gives us everything we need, and we've just disconnected from it. We don't even do enough research now. The money is being routed in different ways. If we would route the money into exploring more of what we have on the planet and the definite benefits from it all, you know, just like I forget the name of the weed, but there's this weed that grows in almost every person's yard. It's one of the best things for cancer, you know, and, and tumors. And people have had miraculous healings from it. I forget the name of it. You probably find it just by looking up on the internet. Mm. But it's almost everywhere. It's a weed. 
but it's also considered a weed conventionally. So it's something that people just destroy and get rid of. Uh-huh. But the earth has it available for us. It's incredible. We just have, mm-hmm. That's another thing that I'm fascinated with that, that is plant communication. Having telepathic co- communication with plants, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, ha- have you tried that or, or researched any type of uh, plant community? Well, I've seen the I've seen the different things of like putting um, technology on the plants to see what their emotional state is when yeah. you do certain things to them. And so I definitely know that plants are sentient. And then I haven't communicated directly with plants and trees, but I've I've sent out my loving energy to them. You know, I've had moments where before I plug something, I'll ask it if it's okay, and then thank it. You know, as I take it off, because I realize they're conscious sentient beings. Um, I'm not at the level of spiritual awareness yet to have that communication, but I think as we move forward in our reality, we can. That's another tool that we can get as we unlock our consciousness is to be able to communicate, interact with plants and trees, but also animals. Mm-hmm. You know, have more of a c- communication with them too. Like sometimes I look at like a tree that I'm like, you know, like a hundred year old tree. I'm just like wondering, like, yeah. if I could communicate with that tree and see everything that that seen? tree th- saw in its time that it's been there and what it's thought of those events you know would be fascinating it's like the world just seen through a tree it's it's such a simple idea but at the same time it's kind of mind-boggling yeah 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 i I do feel that we could get to that level i mean everything is just like everything is just frequency within that anything is possible it's just like if we could create a computer program where someone is communicating with a tree within that program, <laughs> there's no reason why in this grand scheme of everything that we can do actually create that for ourselves. Because if Source wanted to experience it in itself infinitely, every infinite experience that can possibly happen, and you can imagine, can potentially happen and be true. Absolutely, man. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, this was a fantastic interview. Thank you for coming back on, man. It's always a pleasure talking with you. you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, man. And uh, before we wrap it up, where can everybody find you? Yes. So portal2ascension.org is the best way to connect. Um, Go ahead and sign up there. If you sign up, you get a username and password immediately emailed to you where you get to access 3,000 hours of free presentations, all sorted by speaker, category, you know, in a very, very efficient, user-friendly way. And um, then you also get updates on the free events, the paid events that we do, uh, mission updates. We send out an annual, sometimes biannual mission update on things that are happening in the world, relevant things that are helping with the shift when it comes to disclosure or just understanding our spirituality. So our website is a great um, tool for you. And then YouTube, youtube.com slash portal to ascension. We put out a lot of free content on there. And the final thing would be go to our Instagram at portal to ascension. That's where we just do fun stuff, memes, did you knows, little topics, things like that. So um, connect with us on any of those platforms. All right. Awesome. I'll post those links in the notes of this episode so my listeners can check you out. And that was again, we got to do this again, man. Mm-hmm. It's a regular thing. Dude, yeah, we, we can go into a lot of different topics. Awesome. Thank you. And hang on for one moment. I'm just going to play the outro. Message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com.
He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. You can also buy the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. to today, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and share. Again, thank you for listening to Everything You Made.